So welcome back to Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis. Today is July the 12th, 2021. We are in the midst of celebrating American Disabilities Act month here at Co-op Radio. And we are featuring on Bringing Light into Darkness a show, a continuation of our series on Syria and the misrepresentations that we receive if we rely on mainstream media for our information. We return to our featured speaker, Senator, former Senator Richard Black from Virginia, a Vietnam War veteran and outspoken spokesperson for changing our foreign policy with regards to Syria and the rest of the world. Enjoy. But the Americans pretend that the election never happened, and yet many Syrians who spent 15 hours in the blazing sun so that they could vote for President Assad were targeted and killed by U.S.-backed rebels uh, who fired mortars into their midst and, and killed them. Now, after 10 years of war, I think it's important to recognize after 10 years of war, not a single rebel leader has ever emerged as a popular as a popular figure with the Syrian people. The West loves the terrorists that the people of Syria despise. You know, we're taught to hate President Assad because he cracked down on rioters in 2011, and they say that he gassed his people. But that's not true, because we decided to attack Syria 10 years before all of that. Two things here. First, we've already addressed the mistaken certainty that it was Assad that gassed his own people in August of 2013. Rootclaim.org documents the data that results in their conclusion that there's a 96.4% chance that it was the opposition jihadist forces rather than Assad. But also, this conclusion by rootclaim.org is supported by James Mattis, Secretary of Defense, the military boss of our country, who said back in February of 2018, he said the United States has, quote, no evidence that the Syrian government used sarin gas against its own people, end quote. So this is five years after the 2013 gas attack. No evidence that the Syrian government used sarin gas against its own people. The second point that I wanted to reiterate that Senator Black makes is how we are taught to hate President Assad or any other leader of a country we're trying to overthrow based largely on propaganda, such as the unsubstantiated allegation that the Assad government was responsible for these gas attacks. Senator Black goes on to explain the misleading rhetoric of Barack Obama at the UN on September 28th of 2015 in his remarks to the UN General Assembly when he indicated, let's remember how this started, referring to the 2011 protest period, as if this was the first attempt by U.S. interests to overthrow the Syrian government. Instead, Senator Black is well aware of many objective aggressions the United States had been planning against Syria well before 2011. And his list is not exhaustive, but substantial and very important. This is the issue of being taught to hate. This is a false history that President Obama was promoting to the American public and the world from the UN pulpit in order to deceitfully 
rationalize U.S. foreign policy interests. And this is what makes Senator Black's words so powerfully important, that we are taught to hate, that when it comes to foreign policy, we are taught an ahistorical understanding rather than an historical accurate understanding, intentionally to deceive. In 2001, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld ordered the Pentagon to draft plans to overthrow seven countries in the Mideast beginning with Iraq, then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off with Iran. Not one of them had harmed the United States. In 26, or in 2006, the U.S. Embassy in Damascus drew up detailed plans to destabilize and overthrow Syria. Those were widely disseminated to the Pentagon, to various unified commands. They went to NATO. They went widely across the world. The specific plans to destabilize and overthrow Syria, and that was long before any demonstrations had ever occurred in Syria, yet we claim them as the reason that we oppose President Assad. In March of 2011, the United States, UK, and France attacked and overthrew Libya. They brutally executed Colonel Gaddafi. The U.S. then turned over control of a Libyan airfield to the Turks, who used it to transport advanced weapons that had been plundered from Libya and send them eventually to supply the terrorists that were organizing in Syria. In 2011, also during the Arab Spring, the highly secretive Central Intelligence Agency Special Activities Center sent paramilitary teams into the sovereign territory of Syria to identify, train, equip, and lead terrorists to overthrow the Syrian government. In 2013, Barack Obama formalized this long-standing support for anti-Syrian terrorists by secretly authorizing CIA program Timber Sycamore. Under program Timber Sycamore, the CIA's Special Operations Division trained, armed, and paid thousands of terrorists to fight against to fight against Syria. Those armies totally under our control. And in one case, a, a group in, in Aleppo, we had paid over a thousand of their people salaries, given them arms, given them training. And it wasn't until they kidnapped a small Palestinian boy who was being treated in a hospital. They kidnapped him. They took him to the central square in Aleppo. And in order to terrorize the people into not fleeing Aleppo, which was being cordoned off by Syrian troops, they took him to the center in a pickup truck. They grabbed the little boy by the hair. They took a knife and they slashed his head off. And then they paraded it. They held it up and waved it in front of the crowd as a warning. Don't escape from Aleppo. We paid the salaries of every man who held that boy's head aloft. We gave them their weapons. We gave them their truck. We gave them everything that they needed. And it was only after that very gruesome incident that we decided, well, that's an embarrassment. We better not pay them. We have been paying 
terrorists like this throughout the war. NATO and the United States have maintained an intense propaganda campaign against Syria from the outset. Sarin gas attacks that killed civilians were blamed on President Assad. But not one reporter ever asked why Assad would use gas against children, but not against armies of terrorists bearing down on the capital of Damascus. The reason is obvious. There is no answer for that. And the journalists are smart enough to know that if they ask that question, their career in journalism is finished. Secretary of Defense James Mattis admitted in 2018 that the U.S. had no evidence that Assad had ever used Syrian gas. Two courageous Turkish members of parliament were quickly accused of treason after they revealed an indictment, a criminal indictment, that showed how an Al-Qaeda cell had infiltrated 2.2 kilos of sarin gas across the border from Turkey for use in Syria, most likely going to Damascus for the initial attack uh, that was the, the red line attack that almost sent American troops into Syria. So here, Senator Richard Black does not mince words. With astounding clarity, he calls out the U.S. foreign policy for its behavior of not just supporting, but training, enabling, and arming these jihadist terrorists. These terrorists' behavior of brutality is clearly dragged out of the closet for all to see, according to Richard Black's words. Yet barely any mention in the media of these atrocities over the last 10 years, nor the direct responsibility of U.S. foreign policy for these atrocities, clearly indicating that the media is more of a tool of our foreign policy than an investigative informational entity to monitor and hold accountable unacceptable behaviors of our government. So why do we attack Syria? Well, there are a number of reasons. Part of it ties in with Israeli foreign policy. But the U.S. also seeks to capture oil and gas routes serving serving Saudi Arabia and Qatar. In addition to, to pipeline ac access, Saudi Arabia has an intense desire to impose harsh Wahhabi Islam on the religiously harmonious Syrians. The Turks uh, cast a greedy eye on the industrial city of Aleppo. Uh, the Turks also want to capture the oil and the agricultural produce of the nation that is produced in northern Syria. So there are many people who have these desires, and there are many reasons behind the war. Certainly, the uh, American arms dealers profit immensely from the lucrative deals, like the 600 BMP-71 anti-tank missiles that the Central Intelligence Agency rushed to Al-Qaeda in 2014 to prepare them to attack across the Turkish border. It was only with those CIA-provided anti-tank weapons that the Al-Qaeda terrorists were able to break through the Syrian armor and the Syrian lines and seize the beautiful town of Kassab and behead the, Christ the Christians that were there in all the churches. And then smash ancient tombstones with 
uh, with sledgehammers. Uh, that was done thanks to the CIA. Uh, Al-Qaeda never could have broken the Syrian lines without those anti-tank missiles. Many of these terrorist groups have sworn to behead the Christians and the Alawites and to make sex slaves of their wives and daughters. One jihadist famously drove his American-made Humvee into battle with a naked slave girl lashed to his windshield. And he knew that the Syrian, Syrian soldiers would hesitate to shoot at his Humvee as long as there was an innocent girl lashed to the windshield. And then that's why he used it. That's why he, he put this poor girl up there and drove her first into battle as his shield. In 2015, U.S. troops illegally invaded northern Syria and unlawfully seized Syria's oil. We authorized an American oil company to build a refinery for $150 million and to drill for more oil on sovereign Syrian land. Before the war, Syria never needed oil or natural gas because it was self-sufficient. It exported a little bit, but it was not a big uh, oil producing country. But what was important is that it provided all of the fuel, all of the gasoline, all of the heating fuel uh, for the uh, power plants and so forth in, uh, in Syria. But now the legacy of the nation has been stolen by the United States, leaving Syrians to freeze to death in the winter as we steal their fuel. This is the same scenario that we promoted in Iraq, turning the most advanced and best living conditions within the Arab world into a war zone that continues till today. And in Libya, before our NATO-led invasion, Libya had the highest human development index on the African continent, meaning that it was the best living conditions for the majority population of any African nation. Yet after we were done with our invasion, it's been turned into a terrorist haven. Slavery has returned and the millions of Libyans now live under untenable situations. So clearly the words of Richard Black that the legacy of the nation of Syria has been stolen by the United States can be applied equally to Iraq and Syria as well. The result is millions of people have died unnecessarily and tens of millions of others have been displaced and or living in dire poverty. The quote unquote indecency of American aggression towards Syria that Senator Black describes is equally applicable to a number of nations throughout the world that our foreign policy impacts. The same region, northern Syria, is the breadbasket of the country. It grew enough wheat to feed the entire nation, to export a little bit, but this too has been stolen. We gave it to the Kurds who are shipping Syrian wheat to Turkish merchants, while Syrian peasants starve. To tighten the noose on Syria, Secretary Mike Pompeo bragged about cutting Syria off from sources of currency and blockading oil tankers arriving from Iran. He's right, we've caused immense death, disease, and suffering for poor Syrians. So this northern region of Syria is literally controlled and occupied by U.S. and its allies. 
a gross violation of international law by occupying a significant portion of a sovereign nation. And just this past week, on July 4th, 2021, an article, Syria, U.S. stealing grain and oil, building up military bases, Turkey guilty of war crimes by Rick Rosoff of the Antibellum, reported from eyes on the ground in Syria the following. In, in the latest of what has become regular reports on the subject, the Syrian Arab News Agency provides a detailed account of the American military forces illegally occupying part of the country, continuing to loot grain and oil from the nation. It was reported that 45 U.S. vehicles departed the town of Remelian, R-M-E-L-A-N, in the northeast province of Hasaka, the Hasaka governorate, loaded with stolen wheat and oil, in parallel with bringing equipment and logistical material to support their bases in the province. The article went on. The same source notes that on July 3rd, the U.S. military moved 37 tankers full of stolen Syrian oil and several more trucks and refrigerator vehicles from the Al Jazeera region through the unauthorized Al Walid, that's A L W A L I D, crossing used by the United States to smuggle grain and oil into Iraq. Such convoys are ordinarily escorted by armored vehicles. The article continues. It mentions that the Pentagon maintains an estimated 900 troops in Syria, and the Syrian Arab News Agency reported on July 3rd that over a million people in Hasaka are suffering from lack of drinking water because of Turkey and its mercenary allies cutting off supplies to the government. And the article asks us to note the overlap of American and Turkish actions, another NATO ally. After capturing the city of, of Ras Alain, R-A-S space A-L-A-Y-N, Turkish troops confiscated the Aluk water station and cut off all water to the city of Hasaka and dozens of nearby towns and villages. These gross violations of international humanitarian law continue in the face of the silence of international organizations and bodies towards a war crime as described by international conventions, end quote. Here is a concluding segment of Senator Richard Black's June presentation. Again, where you hear my voice is only because the original audio was very difficult to decipher and only seeks to reflect the words of Richard Black. Americans are routinely reminded that we're not that we are not targeting common people. We are targeting only the leaders. Rubbish. That's a total lie. Sanctions do nothing but attack the innocent, the poor, the helpless. They are the most cruel and barbaric type of warfare that we can wage. We steal food, fuel, and medicine from the poor. We blockade supplies for rebuilding so that Syrian men must fight for a living or starve. If we ended the blockade, they could work rebuilding the country. Syrians are tired of war. We've imposed 10 years of war on them. They want to rebuild. The young men, the, the time that, that fighting wars was, was exotic is over. They want to go home. They want to build families. They want to rebuild their homes and their businesses. But the United States blockades all materials necessary for rebuilding. 
so that young Syrian men must fight for a living or starve. As it is, the only work is fighting, which will go on as long as we continue funding it. The world must reject these endless wars. We've fought 10 years against the Syrians, but we've oppressed the Iraqi people for 30 years. We've dropped over a quarter of a million bombs on Iraq, and we bombed them even while we sit in military base camps occupying the country. This madness must stop. I thank you for the opportunity to talk to you today. So in conclusion to this July 12th, bringing light into darkness show of 2021, we pull back the curtain of ignorance and deceitful misrepresentations as to what our foreign policy does in Syria and have featured former State Senator Richard Black comments of June of this year. No one likes to listen and recognize the great humanitarian damage we've done to our fellow human beings on this planet. But we must have accountability of our government's actions. And before we can have accountability, we have to drag out into broad daylight the objective behavior of that foreign policy, which we continue to do week in and week out on bringing light into darkness. Thank you for your reflections and for continuing the quest to understand the world as it is, not as we want it to be, based on a Hollywood script. In our common pursuit of social justice, see you next week. Please forward all questions and comments to Pedro Gatos at pgatos00 at gmail.com. We encourage discourse, and you can also access any prior shows and its content or sourcing by contacting Pedro Gatos or visiting pedrogatos.org for archives of shows. Thanks again for listening, and please invite your friends to the discussion each week. Until then, don't believe everything you think. Also, just wanted to remind all listeners that we are celebrating American Disability Act Month here at Co-op Radio and encourage you to do some research and find out more about this act and the millions of people that are impacted by disabilities but persevere as great examples for the rest of us. Okay, we'll see everybody next week. Stay tuned for some overnight music, but you'll have to switch on over to koop.org. But first, as we do at the end of every Bringing Light Into Darkness show, we take you out with Land of Naivety.
Psychology. 